Welcome to This Week Health Community. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Today, we have an interview in action from the 2023 fall conferences of Chime in San Antonio and Health in Las Vegas. And we wanna thank our show sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. And they are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com. And here we go. All right, here we are at the Chime Fall Forum, another interview in action. We're here with Dr. Nick Vander Hayden. We're just gonna call you Dr. Nick. Uh, you're very kind. Most people do. <laughs> that works out pretty well. Fellow podcaster. That's true. So you have two podcasts now. I do. I have been running the incrementalist for a long time, looking for those small changes. I talk about radical incrementalism, which is the speed of change can still be fast, but it's still small steps. The Apollo program was small steps to get to that point, and I see that in healthcare as the way forward. And then. My most recent, which is Healthcare Upside Down, which is really trying to move the needle. And there I'm trying to find people that have actually made the difference in healthcare and delivered something on the ground, which is always, it, it can be tough to find. You know that as yeah. a podcaster and as somebody that's been in this industry, maybe as long as me, I don't want to age you or anything, but. Yeah, probably. I remember the first time we interviewed was actually at a Chime event. I think it was in Orlando. It was in Orlando. I can remember it. I still see it show up on my feed sometimes. <laughs> Your feed. Because uh, you're so popular, Bill. Uh, no, I appreciate That's due to my team. They're fantastic. We're going to talk cybersecurity today. We are. I read an article that you wrote about simjacking. I'd love for you to set this up a little bit because when I read it, I've told like 50 people about it. I'm like, you won't believe what's happening. You won't believe what's... But it happened to you. It so, did. So. So, yeah, so uh, let me set that up a little bit and say that I'm no slouch when it comes to cybersecurity. I spend a lot of time trying to secure my own life, my information. I think, like most people, my data has been breached. I'm pretty sure yours has. Oh, yeah, I have a couple of those, those things they send you that here's your personal protection plan. If you don't, you're just not receiving the email because pretty much when Experian, or was it, forget which of the two, I don't want to misquote them, but one of the big credit rating companies. No, yeah, it was experience. That, that covers everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. And I had an insurance carrier and a health system and that all within about two years. So they send you the, the credit protection or whatever. Right. They send you. And if you're not doing that, I think you're missing out. But so I'm no slouch. Fortunately for me, I was sitting at home in my office with good Wi-Fi connection and the first alert I get that something is wrong is I get notification from my carrier, Verizon in this case, to say, hey, we just want to get your approval for looking at your account from a store in Connecticut, and I'm currently in Maryland. And I go, don't think that's correct, and I click on the link, it's expired, don't worry, we haven't approved. Minutes later, I get an email to say, congratulations on purchasing your new phone and your electronic SIM card. What does this mean? It means that my personal phone, and importantly, calls and texts, are now going to a different phone that's now in Connecticut with somebody that has impersonated me. They walked into the store, they pretended to be me with an ID that had 
my name but their picture and purchased the phone on my account but took over my Your telephone SIM? number, my SIM and text messages. And, and Why? Most, and most two-factor two authentication is now. That, unfortunately, is the big challenge. So two-factor authentication, the baseline is to use your phone as a text message, and they send you a six-digit code. I think less than 17 minutes later, I get an email from my bank saying, We've, we realize you forgot your user ID, but don't worry, we've sent it to you. And three minutes later, we've reset your password. Thankfully, I was playing interference at this point. I'm on a number of processes to cancel my phone number and my text messaging so that two-factor and all of that reset process goes. And I was in my bank account, and right behind the reset of the password, I reset it again to keep the individuals out. I was three minutes away from losing control of my bank account. That happened fast. It did. Less than 47 minutes start to finish. And I did a deep dive in my browser history, messages, everything. I did a full timeline to explore this. Targeting you or targeting Verizon? No, they targeted, it, this was a very specific targeted attack, but it occurs on an ongoing basis in part because, as I've discovered subsequently, the protocol in this case for Verizon is if you walk into a store and say, I've lost my phone, if you can produce an identification that matches your name and importantly your address, so they must have had my home address, then with manager oversight and approval, they will override the two-factor authentication that I received that I declined and allow for the purchase and issuing of a new SIM card. That's the procedure. That's the procedure, which is a little bit frightening for everybody, right? You, I'd be frightened if you're not. No, I am. I, I, <laughs> but I'm thinking, one of the more interesting things that just happened, though, with my new phone, is we have software-based SIMs. Right. Is that going to, I'm curious if that's going to protect us or not. No, not at all. In fact, this individual, I have a physical SIM. He got an electronic, or eSIM as it's called. So, no, that doesn't protect you. This is all about protocol. And if you're not sitting there at your computer, game and, over, man. And with some time. So if you're at a chime session, sitting in there, going, "Oh, I'll get to this in 30 minutes." Oh, forget, get to it. You could have been. I turn my notifications off when I go and do yoga. Last thing I want is to be notified. That's an hour long. I'm lost. Any number of instances. I was lucky, very lucky. So what would you do different now? So there's a part of me that doesn't want to tell you. I've got to be honest. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> because. It's, it's sharing the secrets, but the reality is, if I know them, the, the thieves attackers. know it, yeah. and it's the same with the Verizon protocol. So for me, there's a couple of things that I, I've done. One is, I've taken out every possible instance where possible of the two-factor authentication that exists with phone and text messaging, and use a separate number that is completely concealed, not used for anything else, and is just for that purpose. Or better yet, use a voice over IP, Google Voice, which is controlled separately. Makes sense. The other thing that I would say is almost mandatory at this point, if you don't have credit monitoring and credit protection, and quite frankly, the insurance that comes with it, because if you lose control and you lose it, it can be a long and expensive process to recover and you spend your life. I, you must have it. And third, I would say if you're not locking your credit, 
so that people can't apply for things. So this is not just a credit freeze, this is locking your credit. You're missing opportunities. And for the healthcare CIOs, under no circumstances use two-factor authentication that uses text messaging. There are multiple other better solutions to that we should be using, like Google Authenticator or the equivalent. The, uh, we're gonna end where we started. That's a fascinating story. And I wanted to capture that story. If nothing else, I want to send it to my kids. And it actually makes me think about my bank account. It's like, how much could they actually have gotten out? Could they have done a wire transfer? Could they have wired money out? How much of it could they have gotten out? I, everything that was in there. And I'm just going to say, I'll get this opportunity not very often. I shout out to my kids. They stepped up. By the time my wife, who was out of contact, was back in contact, there was 47 messages between just them. They had launched a special group and were texting and confirming all of the information because they were all at much higher risk because he could text them and say, hi, this is dad, I need blah de blah Oh, wow. What? And they all stepped up because I've taught them. No, that's... So I'm proud of that, just gonna say. Yeah. All right, we're going to be doing webinars a little different this year. I've talked to you a little bit about this. We got together with our advisors. They told us, hey, you got to do them different. They're just not serving the community well. And we said, what do you want? They said, community-generated topics, great contributors, not product-driven. They want a, a more honest and open discussion. And they said, what we want is not no on-demand webinars. We want once-and-done type webinars on a consistent date and time. So every... First Thursday of the month, our first one being January 5th, first Thursday of the month, one o'clock Eastern time, we are going to be doing a webinar. You can count on it. Put it on your calendar. Every first Thursday of the month at one o'clock Eastern time, we're going to do a webinar. The topics are going to be generated by the community, and we would love to have you there. Our first one, January 5th, priorities for 2023, a CIO discussion with Integrated Delivery Networks. February 2nd, we're going to come back with Academic Medical Center CIOs talking about their priorities. And then we're going to hit some of the other great topics that they've given us for the year. And we would love to have you join us again, thisweekhealth.com, top right-hand corner. It'll have our current webinar and our upcoming webinars. You can sign up right there. And if you miss it, it's not on demand anymore. So we would love to have you there. Make sure somebody from your team is there taking notes and bringing stuff back to your staff. So we hope that this works out. Any feedback, go ahead and send us a note. We would love to hear about it. And we do have to think about it. You almost need a, a, a security officer role for the family. For the, <laughs> That's you, Bill. Well, we'll keep getting we'll keep getting the messages out. We're going to end where we started the podcast. So, what have you learned doing podcasting over the years? So, I, I think the one thing let's talk about the positives. There are everybody walks in with the intention of doing good work. Nobody goes into healthcare to say, "I want to deliver poor service," and that's across the board. Right. And there are real people making real differences and trying very hard. The challenge we have is that the system competes against that will to deliver the best. And it is beholden to the individuals that control the power to step up to the plate and change healthcare so that the people in it can do the job that they want to. That's the primary learning thing for so me. So how many times when you are exploring the incremental changes or the innovation that, do you hear about these roadblocks that you go, 
Yeah, it's just outside of it's just outside of their control to make something happen. I think all of the time because it's never one place. I think that's part of the problem. So you could point unless you go all the way to the top because ultimately I know a few CEOs that have that little sign, the buck stops here, and it really does. And it's in their control and their power. For many of the individuals underneath, it's not but they need to step it up. And the individuals at the top of the organization, I think, need to spend time with those groups to see and experience it, because then they'll get a feel for it. It's a bit like The Boss Inside, or whatever that series is on TV. They yeah. should all be doing that. Un undercover Boss. Yeah. And it's interesting, because every now and then you'll hear a CEO tell the story of, our CEO had the story of her husband got cancer. And then she'll say, and this was my journey, and she took a six month sabbatical, he ended up dying, she came back to the health system and she said, we have some work to do. And I bet that made a huge difference. And it's not that everybody knew, that's an awful story and I'm sorry to hear that. But equally, that passion needs to come all the way from the top because everybody sees it, then they all act in the same. And you have to work on best principles of, I'm trying to do good here and support that. Nick, Dr. Nick. Thank you for your time. Appreciate Always it. Always a pleasure, Bill. Thanks for having me. Another great interview. I want to thank everybody who spent time with us at the conferences. I love hearing from people on the front lines, and it is phenomenal that they have taken the time to share their wisdom and experience with the community, which is greatly appreciated. We also want to thank our channel sponsors one more time who invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. They are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.